Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike and wait, Santa, what are you doing in the studio? Ho, ho, ho. Don't you have a, don't you have a big night ahead of you tonight? I, I, well, you know, I think it's a very important for people to understand that grit is what makes Santa happen. Ah, I get that. You know, the grit of doing nothing all year, but you got that one day where you got to go out. No, and no, work no, hard. no, no, no. There's passion and perseverance the entire year. Uh, and I make, I make those elves work. That's nice. Right. And it's because we love what we do. And I believe that the talent of those elves isn't as powerful as the perseverance of those elves and the passion because those count double. And there that's what go. grit is about. That's right. And that's why we are talking about grit uh, for and our final Christmas Eve episode. Yeah. So it's our final uh, level up review for grit. And if you are listening and this is Christmas Eve and you haven't listened to the rest of our grit and maybe you don't have a lot going on, maybe you're used to traveling, you know, and visiting lots of family on Christmas and maybe you're not doing that this year and you're like, you know what, what is this grit they're talking about? And you want to spend some time just, you know, growing as an individual, we highly recommend grit. It's been great. We're, we're finishing it up today. So we have part one and part two is already on uh, YouTube. It's already on your podcast platform, whatever you listen to. And uh, we've really enjoyed it. And so today we're going to be finishing the book and talking about a few different things. Like part of it uh, is kind of how you develop grit as like from the outside, because we've looked a lot already on how to develop grit from the inside. Now it's how it's developed as from the outside, things like parents, coaches, culture, and then kind of an overview and conclusion of what does it mean to be gritty? What does it mean for your life? Uh, and and ultimately, what are some strategies that we can, can take from this? So uh, chapter 10 was called Parenting for Grit. And I think this is a great chapter if you're a parent, you've got young kids, you're parenting. But I think we could even just replace this word parenting to even managing for grit, right? Because <clears throat> we've talked a lot about having employees or developing a team, even developing, you know, um, a, a, a network of resellers. And there's things that you can do on the outside that help to create grit. And one of the things she argues is she explains that there's kind of two different parenting styles that have been popular for trying to uh, create uh, the most successful kids. And one of them is just strict, harsh discipline. And the other one is a kind of more of a, a, a hands-off, just encouragement and she argues, like most things, that it's actually a combination of the both, right? You can go to the extremes on both ends, but it's where those th two things meet together that you end up having the most success. Yeah, I I really enjoy the story here. Number one, because I'm a 49er fan. And so the Youngs were I, I've, good I, for you. I love Steve Young. I mean, I, I'm a big Joe Montana fan, but I was also around with Steve Young. Well, I'm still around, but <laughs> I was around in San Francisco I, rooting rooting for the Niners and Steve Young was quarterback. So, by the way, this is episode 212, in case you're wondering. So I don't even think we got to that. But I love the contrast. So, yeah, I agree with you because I, I was looking through this and I was I was wondering, OK, so our podcast is about, you know, hustles, side hustles, reselling. And this is, we're talking about parenting. So if you're a parent of children, it's a great, these are great chapters. Even if you're not a parent of children, this is great in multiple ways because you can kind of do some introspection on how you were raised and maybe it'll help you understand why you're not as gritty as you need to be or how you can be grittier because, you know, the way we're raised by our parents very much shape who we are later on in lives. I mean, it's huge. I mean, there's, you know, whether you had both parents and you had, they had a stable marriage, whether you come from a broken home, whether, you know, one parent was not in the picture at all, whether, you know, a parent was sick, whatever the scenario, it all shapes on who you are. And, and, and I love this perspective here because it was Steve Young and his parents, 
right? And his dad's name was Grit. <laughs> like, what? What? Okay. What's the chances? Did that's Did a, Angela Duckworth purposely seek this out? Did she go? Did think. she Google people whose names are Grits? And it goes, oh, Grit Young, Steve Young's dad. So you had the Youngs, and then you had Martinez. You had Tina and Alex, who were parents to Francesca Martinez, who is a comic who is successful, uh, who has been through a lot, had cerebral palsy, and and fought through all of that, and has become successful. Who weren't the the and you know there were the, the Youngs were strict with with Steve. I hate saying Steve. I, you know, Mister Mr. Young, Young. Mister Young, because I, I, there's respect for Steve Young here. So and then for uh, Ms. Martinez. Uh, they were more like follow your dreams, be supportive. But he- here's the interesting thing is that what what did they find? They found that both, even though they were different parenting styles, right? They both were supportive and was it, is it demanding? Yeah. So it's, 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 uh, it's demanding in the sense of that they required a lot. They had high expectations. Um, they, so for instance, with the, with the comic, uh, they let her drop out of school when she was 16 years old, yet they still had Which high- Which wild, wild to me. Yeah. I mean, I mean wow. to think that there's- So and that's kind of the opposite of the young family, right? Like where like, like schooling and those things are important, but they also encouraged the, their, <clears throat> their child to follow their passion. And I'm really excited. I'm, I'm planning on homeschooling my son. And just to think that um, I know for a fact as a teacher that, that uh, parenting at home and, and, and homeschooling would be very difficult, but you can get a lot more done in a short amount of time because your child is getting the attention and hundred percent of the attention. So what would take a teacher an hour, you might be able to do in 15, 20 minutes because you're not teaching to a bunch of people. And, and I'm already thinking of what is this going to mean for all the extra time my son's going to have? We still want it to be somewhat structured, but we also want it to be free. We want him to find his passions, find the things he's most interested in, but then find a way to say like, okay, you're interested in technology. So let's, let's learn some coding. Let's learn some things that actually require you to, to do a little bit more, to actually practice things. Um, and then if he decides, you know what, this isn't what I'm into, then let him try something else, but give him that freedom. And so she has this really cool chart here. And I love charts like this because um, because a lot of times uh, these spectrum charts are, are relatively accurate. You can take them to find out like what end of the, the political spectrum are you? And there's usually four quadrants to these. So on the on one axis, you have um, undemanding and demanding, right? So on one end, you have undemanding parents. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have completely demanding. And then on the um, the, the vertical axis, you have supportive and unsupportive. Okay, so um, where you have a supportive parent and a demanding parent, you have what's called wise parenting. This is, this is the argument she makes. So that there's support for them to fail, to try new things, but there's a level of demand where it's like, we're not just going to be so hands-off that you're not required to have to try and to, to experience failure and to work to be your best. Um, whereas on the other end, if you're uh, demanding, but you're unsupportive, you have an authoritarian parent. And so a lot of times people automatically assume that if you're demanding, and this goes again, even for managing, maybe you're managing a team, a small team. If you're nothing but demanding, but you're not supportive of your team, you're going to be an authoritarian manager. You're going to be an authoritarian parent. You're going to be an authoritarian friend or whatever it is where, where you just, you demand, you demand, but you don't have support for them to, to try and fail. And, and so you can't just look at demanding. And I can even think of this, like with the idea we talk about with discipline, right? Like on one end you have discipline, but then there's, there's also a vertical access that, that it can fall on. And on the other end of the spectrum on undemanding, if you're undemanding, but supportive, you have permissive parenting right? Where you support them. Hey, do what you want. You don't want to go to school. You don't have to, you don't want to do this. You don't have to, but you're not, you don't have high expectations for them. Um, and then if you remove the support and you're undemanding, then it's neglectful parenting, right? Where you just, your hands off and you don't support them. Right. And so you have on one end, 
positive and negative on the other end, positive and negative. But the one that seems the most positive is the wise parenting, supportive and demanding. And just thinking about how that can play out with our teams uh, when you hire an employee and how do you do that, right? You hire an employee, you hire a helper. Somebody even commented the fact that I use that phrase. I uh, sure. Uh, but you hire a helper, you hire somebody to work for you and you want to say it needs to be done in a certain way. I need the pictures to be high quality. I need this number of listings done each day. But hey, if you want to, if you want to try a different angle, if you want to try adding some extra words, if you want to try, um, you know, these different things and giving them some freedom and maybe saying like, hey, by the end of the week, I want these things done. Uh, but be just supportive if they say like, hey, I'm not going to have anything done on Monday, but I'll have it all done on Tuesday. And you're not like, well, I'm not paying you if it's, you know, so you want to have that good mixture where they feel supported, but you also have high expectations where they know they can't just do nothing. Yeah. And so I was thinking about how can this apply to you if if you're not a parent or you're a reseller? And I think it's good to look back and go, okay, w- what kind of environment was I raised in? Right. Because that, that very much plays a part in how you deal with things. Right. And so what I noticed amongst both families, right, in the demanding part is that they they were supportive, but they also didn't like just let them do whatever, mm-hmm. right? And the fact of they they had to hold to what they're saying. So the easy example was it was it was Steve Young, who you know I love how she talks about how you know he he was terrible at baseball, not terrible, but he he just couldn't hit in the beginning in high school, and then he became the captain of his baseball team by senior year. But that's because. His dad didn't let him quit. And then same thing happened when he went to BYU. He was, I think, eighth string quarterback or something. And he wanted to come back home. And he, there's there's a lot of discussion about Stephen having separation anxiety and all this. And and his dad said, you can come home, but you can't come home. Right. Because you agreed to do this. You're following through. And so if one of the things you struggle with, right, as, even as a reseller is, holding to like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Right. And, and we see this all the time in the reselling community. There's a lot of resellers that, you know, they start off real strong. They, especially on social media, they open up a social media account. They're, they're killing it. You know, they're, they're flexing and then they're gone. Like they stop reselling. They're like, this is too much. Or, you know, in the comments, you hear people all the time, like, yeah, I tried, but nothing was selling and I'm done with this. And I'm not saying this is the ultimate reason why, but Maybe it's good to have a community that doesn't let you off the hook so easily, right? You have a good friend or you have a spouse or, you you know, a significant other who you say, hey, you know what? When I was growing up, I really didn't have anybody holding me to sticking to something, right? So I, I've never been able to solidly land on something and stick to something. And I, I just, I, I'm hoping that you can keep me accountable, accountable, right? Accountability is a big part. So I was thinking through this because, you know, for me, it's my parents. I don't think my parents were either. My parents kind of let me do whatever. I, I There's some things I can't explain. Maybe it's because of birth order. You know, first, have you read the birth order book? No, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've heard enough theories about it. Maybe then. we should read that for this one day. But basically the idea is like firstborns are generally known to be the go-getters, mm-hmm. be, you know, being, you know, willing to do what it takes. Like they don't give up, blah, 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 blah. And I was always like that. But I, I have, you know good friends of mine that they grew up in a home where they didn't have those. And the reason they've been able to be successful is they set themselves up in a community where if they ever say, Hey, I'm going to commit to doing this. They say, okay, for how long, what's your goals? And then they hold them to it and they're able to finish strong. Right. And so that kind of leads us to our next part where it talks about the field of gray. And I know we're flying through this, but in case you're wondering, this is a mini-sode. Yeah. So we've got our four 30-minute episodes to kind of get us through the holiday season. 
So, so the next part was uh, Fields of Grit. And in Fields of Grit, I thought this was fascinating to me because as I read this, so I'm a big sports guy. Well, I, I was. And then, you know, life happened. Then I stopped watching Sports Center and all that stuff. But I, I still love sports and I played sports growing up. And it's fascinating because when I think of Angela Duckworth, I think a scientist, I don't think of people that are very big fanatics of sports. Mm. Right. I usually think of that, that they would be anti-sports. But in this chapter, she makes the argument and not just sports, but you should take up extracurricular activities and stick to them. Right. You want to expound on that? Yeah. So there's the idea of like kind of follow through and there's lots of studies that show. And the hard part is to understand what's the difference between correlation and causation. Right. So uh, they found that people who were involved in at least two extracurricular activities during school and had some kind of promotion during that. So they either got elected to like an office position in the in a club or they got a, an award. Uh, they were more likely to finish college, right? And they kind of uh, correlated that to kind of a stick to itness. They had a, a follow through. They were willing to pick something and stay with it. And one of the concepts she presents in this chapter is the idea of doing something that's interesting but hard. And I, this is so true because it's easy. I've As a kid, I played a lot of video games and, um, you know, you'd find the the cheat codes and I'd play the video games until, you know, sometimes you get a little frustrated and it's like, it would just be a little bit easier if like I had infinite ammo or it'd be a little bit easier if I had this and you start putting on a couple of cheat codes and next thing you know, the game is so easy that it's no longer fun. I hated cheat codes. Yeah. It's it like, took away the fun for me. It takes away the fun for sure. But, but there's, there's a temptation that like, if this was just easy, I would enjoy it more, but that's not the case. And, and sometimes it's encouraging to know that that's, that's true even for business. Right. Like we might get the idea like, man, if I could just make a lot more money easily. And, and it's true that money, money can provide a certain amount of freedom that allows you to do things that make you happy in life. But if what you're doing is so easy that it doesn't have any stimulation, it's not it's not it loses its interest. So in life, she recommends finding something that's interesting, something you're passionate about. So if you're if you are parenting, just going back to the idea of parenting, don't just say like, hey, my kid is going to do football. They're going to be a football star. If they hate football, but they love music and they want to be in band, right? If that's where their interest is, learning an instrument is interesting for them, but it's also going to be difficult. And so whatever it is that's interesting, it shouldn't just be something though that's interesting and easy because that's not going to teach them the 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 fact of deliberate practice and and potentially failing and Which working earlier chapters those. in the book. Yeah. And so it's important to find something that's interesting and hard and, and following through. And she talks about her family has this rule. And I love the idea. And I mentioned this a little bit on a smaller micro scale of, of the hard thing. So her hard thing rule is everybody in their family has to have a hard thing that they're working on. Um, and you can the rule is you can quit your hard thing. It has to be something that's a challenging thing. At an at a natural exit point. So, for instance, if it's school, I want to try this program. You start the 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 program, you get through, and the the school year ends, and you're like, okay, now it's time for another school year. I can re-enroll and pay tuition again. You know what? I did it. I completed that year, and this isn't the the direction I want to go, right? But not halfway through the year of saying, you know what? I'm just going to quit. It's kind of the stick to itness and find a natural exit point before you make the decision to just jump out. Because if you if you follow through, you might decide, hey, this is my thing. And she mentioned that her daughter, it took eight hard things before she found her hard thing, right? Before it's like, this is the thing that I want to do, my passion in life. And so I think that's just a good habit to have. And I mentioned that with like a daily micro level of what's a hard thing to do during the day. Maybe it's getting up and exercising. Maybe it's taking a cold shower. Right? I know a lot of people who are advocates of cold showers. Oh, I hate that. Who, who does that? Well, Why? And for some people, it's the idea of like, you know, I want to I want to wake up and just have one hard thing that I do in the day to I show. I want to wake up and be miserable. Well, to say like, you know what? I, I, I'm going to 
put myself in an uncomfortable position to prove that I am not ruled by comfort in life, that I can do something hard in life because then that creates a mentality of, you know, when something comes hard, I get a new assignment at work and I wasn't expecting it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to shrivel under it, but I'm going to say, you know what, I'm, I'm a person capable of doing hard things. And, and you kind of, and, and it's just developing that attitude. And, and I like the idea and you don't have to, obviously a cold shower is a, a very small micro level daily thing, but you know, maybe your hard thing is, Hey, I want to start a new business and I'm going to try this business for two years, or I'm going to put X amount of money into it and X amount of time. And if I get to the end of it and it wasn't a success, then I'll leave and I'll, I'll look and figure out, okay, what did I learn? What can I apply to the next thing? And it might take you eight hard things in your life before you find the thing that you love. But if you don't have a hard thing, if you're only doing easy things in life, and this is just an old cliche, but it's so true, like nothing in life that's worth having is easy, right? Like things that are are worth it and valuable are usually difficult things. Well, what I liked about it was, you know, it was interesting that there's actually, a, it's a two-year, like it, they made, they made like all their, all the students, they had to agree to two years, right? So two years of a sport or two years to being in band or two years to newspaper and that, and they found that people are able to follow through on items for two years, they're going to be able to follow through on other items later on. Right. And I, I do think there's a lot to be said. I, I remember I was an idiot my freshman year of college. Uh, I remember being in the dorm room and one of my guy, one of my guys in my dorm was like, yeah, I wrestle. I'm like wrestling, dude, I, I could do that all day long. I've never wrestled in my life. And he's like, all right, let's go. And so we wrestled and he pinned me, I think like in, I don't know, 10 seconds. Like I, I didn't know that there was skill involved. But he's like, you should still join the wrestling team. So I joined the wrestling team in college and uh, it was probably the most miserable experience of my life. Um, first match, I invited all the, you know, um, good looking freshman girls to come watch me. And I got pinned by some 7-2 Russian dude in like 34 seconds. And it was the most embarrassing one of my life. I had my ankle snapped in front of thousands of people. And I actually, I did a WWF like tap out because the guy's barrel chest was on my face and I couldn't breathe and I wanted the match to end. And yeah, it was a lot, but you know what? I stuck through it and uh, I did finish the reason, the season, the reason I did finish the season and it was horrendous. I lost every single match. Mm. I got destroyed. It was horrendous, <clears throat> but I have no regrets about finishing what I started. Because it gave me this resilience later on in life. Not just, it was just wrestling. I've been through a lot of other things, but that's just a small example of, of you know, I'm like, hey, I can do that. I can get through this. I can do this. And we talked about this in grit earlier. And so I think the reason why there's that one year or two year or doing hard things, I think it, it, it makes you grittier, but it creates that ability of saying, hey, we'll get through this. We're going to be okay things are going to be fine. And so I, I strongly encourage, you know, if, if, you know, whatever stage in life you're in, if, if everything's easy, like Mike said, maybe it's a good thing to pick up something that's new. It doesn't have to be super hard. Like you don't have to go, you know, David Goggins on it, but um, is it David Goggins? Yeah. Okay. You don't, you don't have, you don't have to be at that level. I don't think there's a lot of people at that level, but you can definitely be at a level that is more than your comfort zone and you can stick to it and make things happen and learn something new. Yeah. You're developing, you're developing inner character. And I know, I know he's a controversial guy, so uh, nobody, nobody take this, you know, out of context oh, for anything, no. but um, Jordan Peterson has this idea that he claims where, um, and I think it's a good concept. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it, it's the opposite of this in a, in a way, but it's the same concept, which is for instance, if a person who, a person who uh, let's say is an addict, he talks a lot about different types of addictions. If a person is an addict and 
Um, they they want to do this thing. They want to smoke a cigarette. They want to drink alcohol. They want to go do drugs. And they realize if I lie to my family and I tell them I'm going to go do this other thing, um, or maybe even you're lying to yourself. I'm just going to have one cookie. If you lie, if you lie to yourself, and then you do that thing and you get the dopamine hit, right? For that thing that you're addicted to, what you're actually doing is you're connecting the idea of lying and and being deceitful to the pleasure. And so it becomes easier and easier for you to lie to your family. It becomes easier and easier for you to lie to yourself because your brain has made the connection of this thing I do is worth it because I get something in return. And, and you're developing an inner character. And so grit is an inner character thing. And the doing the hard thing is one of those things where this was difficult, but at the end I had something I accomplished. I had the award. I had the accomplishment. I had the certificate. I have the the knowledge that I didn't have before. And it may be none of those things. Mm-hmm. You may not win at all, but you finish it through. Yeah, I finished. Yeah, I was capable of doing something that I set my mind to. And what you're going to do is that it's a lot harder to have that slow because taking a hit of a cigarette or drinking alcohol or doing drugs or eating a cookie, all of those things are really fast dopamine hits. Something that takes two years to feel the accomplishment is a very slow and and drawn out dopamine reaction. But the more you do that, you're going to develop the the connection of your brain of doing things over time, doing something challenging is worth it in the end. Uh, And those are the types of habits you want to develop. So, yeah, I thought it was great. So the chapter is called playing in your fields of grit, but that field doesn't have to be a literal sports field. It could be any field. It could be, you know, it could be Amazon, right? If as a reseller, you've never been on Amazon, it could be say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to try Amazon for two years or a year or whatever. It doesn't, but it doesn't have to mean you go hardcore on it. It doesn't mean that, you know, you go all in. It just means you're going to keep doing it and you're going to keep building it. Right. Uh, it could be like Mike has this new business venture, right? Sticking to that new business venture. It could mean, you know, I don't know. It, it could mean various things, but it has to be something that's out of your comfort zone. And I, I do like that concept because, again, it does build a character. And for the purposes of the book, it makes you grittier. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So before we get into the next chapter, though, I want to share real quick. So, uh, you know, it's, it's the holiday season and, and usually we would have to look sharp at certain things like Christmas parties and all that, but right. not the case. But you know what? You still want to be well manicured. And, and the way we keep our domes well manicured under these Santa hats is through SchoolShaver.com. Yeah. So if you haven't had a chance to, you know, maybe go with that bald look, here's an option. Go to SchoolShaver.com. Use our promo code PURE. Uh, there's some great, you know, devices out there that can help you do that. Uh, and you get a discount by using our code pure. Yeah. Uh, also, if you haven't been uh, following us uh, on social media, we are pure hustle podcast on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. We are pure hustle cast on Twitter. You can always give us a call 619-738-1170. Shoot us an email, pure hustle podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for all the iTunes review. Really appreciate those. And those of you about shirts for Christmas, really grateful for that. And as always, we would love it if you would, you know, join us and support through buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. That's buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle for less than an episode and less than an episode, less than a dollar an episode. You can show us, uh, you know, how much the podcast is brought to you, the value uh, for just five bucks a month. And it'll allow us to in the future be able to do more things with the podcast. Uh, you know, our content will always be free when it comes to a podcast, but we'd love to do other exclusives and so on and uh, be able to do more on YouTube too. That's, that's a big time one. Like YouTube takes time. So shout out to all the people that are doing YouTube on a consistent basis. We understand the work and the editing that takes place. So help us out there. If you'd like uh, buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. Yeah. All right. 
So subculture of grit. Yeah. Um, this is really good. Just the idea um, that there is maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a manager, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're just part of a team. And there has been a lot of research that has been done to show that high, high, highly successful teams, teams that have great output are typically teams that have a certain culture. They've worked to develop a certain feel, a certain culture. And I realized this when I moved to my new school, it had a very different culture than my previous school. And the culture is much more uh, very, very welcoming. Every, all the teachers have this, there's this camaraderie there. And I've noticed that culture plays a big impact because things that I didn't normally do, certain ways of replying to emails, I quickly adapted because it was part of the culture of the team. And if a team that you're a part of has a gritty culture, has a culture of saying, we are going to try hard things. We're going to do things that are, are interesting, but difficult. We are going to be willing to fail, but get back up and go again. Then what happens is the, the mindset of the culture, the cultural uh, belief system ends up becoming part of the individual identity. And so good managers actually work really hard to remove people who won't become part of a culture like that. Low performing members on a team will bring the entire team down. But if you have a team that is highly successful and you bring somebody in who's willing to work, they will quickly find their identity in being a gritty person. And so this is kind of an encouraging thing in that you might be at a place where maybe you didn't have the best upbringing. Maybe you didn't participate in extracurricular activities. Maybe you didn't do all of these things that help produce somebody who's gritty, but you're in a place where you could say, you know what? I can be a part of a gritty culture. And if you look around your own team, maybe you you work at a nine to five, maybe you're a part of a network of resellers. And I think uh, a reselling network is a great example um, is maybe you need to leave some cultures. Maybe it's a negative culture that doesn't have a lot of, you know, we're going to try hard things. We're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to hold each other accountable. Um, but maybe you might realize that the reason a culture is in a certain way is because you're not helping to foster that. And so whatever culture you're in, whatever group you're a part of, so maybe you're a part of an online reselling community, maybe you're a part of uh, a team of resellers, maybe you've got your own employees, whatever it looks like, maybe it's your own family, but you can look to develop a culture of grit where you say, you know what, as a, as a, as a team, this is what we want to do. This is our goal. This is our mentality. And the cultural belief system is going to end up becoming part of the individual identity. And that's both encouraging and a warning. Yeah. And so when, I, when I'm reading this, I mean, it talked about, you know, uh, Pete Carroll, uh, coach of the Seahawks and the culture of grit that developed, talked about West Point and the culture of grit that developed and how actually less individuals are dropping out of West Point as when she first did her grit studies. And found out that their culture changed from a culture of attrition, where it was trying to get people out, to a culture of development, where they're encouraging people to stay in and get the work done. And which was kind of fascinating to me because, you know, when I think of the military, I think of like just and maybe that's part of it, too. But as far as she said, at West Point, like they, they changed the way they, they deal, like they got rid of, uh, you know, and there was a lot of hazing. And by the 90s, they got rid of hazing. But she's like, that's not the reason why people stay, because that's in the 90s. Let's talk about the 2000s. And it's a fact that now instead of, you know, saying you can't do this, it's like, yeah, you can do this. Uh, let's make this happen. Right. And so it's a different way of seeing it. So and the Seahawks were very big on this culture. And actually, they apply the principles of grit from the book. They actually had Angela Duckworth with them uh, in their practices, watching the Super Bowl, all that stuff. 
And what was fascinating about this was how culture is so key, right? And we talked about this in the earlier chapters that we discussed in this mini-sode about the fact of being amongst a group that can hold you accountable. And I, and I thought about the reselling community and how I 100% believe it's very easy to get caught up in, in the flashiness of it and to get caught up into, you know, we're just going to, all we're going to do is flex. All we're going to do is, is, you know, just show the outcome, right? Instead of the process. And this is why we're very big on the process because doing this takes grit, right? Doing this full time takes a lot of grit, especially if you want to make it a viable income. I don't think reselling is for the week. I really don't. Uh, unless you find some private label you can make a ton of money on. But for the most part, it takes a lot of work. And so uh, I wanted, what I wanted to share this is like, uh, as Mike said, find yourself with others in the reselling community that are about building, right? And are about, about being about the process and, and are about of, you know, moving forward, not giving up, being gritty. Because if you end up, you know, in other parts of, of the reselling community on social media, you can get very much disheartened. You can very much say, you know what, this isn't for me. Or you can get in this very negative thing. And then reselling no longer is what you enjoy, no longer what you want to do. But if you get in a right culture of grit, right, you're going to enjoy the process. So I strongly encourage you guys to do that because I do believe culture is very, very big when it comes to grit. Now, let's wrap this up real quick with the conclusion. All right, do you have any thoughts on conclusion? Yeah, so um, it, one of the main things she she kind of states here, we've kind of covered all of the different stuff throughout our our you know different episodes, uh, but one of the the findings they had was grittier people tend to be happier people, a more satisfied person, and so there are a lot of things that happen in your childhood that are and and part of it is nurture, part of it is nature, might just be personality and things like that. Uh, but you might find yourself, you took the grit test earlier and you said, you know what, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as high as I could be. There are things you can do to move up the grit scale. There are ways of getting into a different culture, doing hard things, these things that can help to make you grittier. And if it's true, then not only are grittier people more successful, which there's been tons of anecdotal and empirical evidence presented in this, this book, uh, but also if it makes you more satisfied, more uh, having a happier life. Um, and to realize that the difference between somebody on the grid scale of like a two and somebody that's a three is it's an exponential difference of their satisfaction. So the grid scale goes all the way up to a five. And so obviously that's the goal, right? Everybody would love to be there, but she even rec recognized that she's like a 4.3. I think she said earlier, she, she's not a five. She's not saying like, I am the, 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 the perfect example of a gritty person. Uh, but the, just becoming a little grittier is going to have exponential impact on the success you have in life and the enjoyment you have in life. And so do the little things that you can to improve the grit that you have to try and become a grittier person and see, I mean, what's, what's the downside? I, I've just been thinking about that. Like what is the potential downside? Now you can, you can become a workaholic, but I don't think that's what grit is, right? You can, there's certain things you can try and say like, well, I, this could ruin my life. But I think working hard, being willing to overcome failures is going to ultimately lead to success or at least not lead to increased failure and potentially give you a happier life. Do what you can, right? Because there's no, doesn't seem to be a downside. Yeah. And, you know, again, hopefully this changes your perspective on the fact that success is not bound to talent, but success is bound to passion and perseverance. Talent helps. Talent is a good place to start, but in the end, passion and per perseverance count double. And so, 
everyone has the ability to be gritty. Everybody has the ability to be successful. And I like how she ends in discussing her, her discussion of what genius meant. Mm-hmm. Right. And the idea that genius isn't somebody that's just born smart or able to do things, but that for her dad, right. The idea of genius is working towards excellence ceaselessly with every element of your being. Then in fact, that is being a genius. So with that being said, get out there and get gritty. Make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Peace. Peace.